just love you this morning and we just thank you for this time together. God, that we can come and just worship in your house, worship with your church body. And God, we just want to declare this morning, you are great and mighty God. We declare great are you, Lord. We pray that you'd speak to our hearts as we move forward, as we hear your word spoken to us. God, I pray that you would speak to us and let us not leave this place unchanged today, Lord. God, do in us what you want to do this morning. We love you. We give you this time and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we looked for three or four weeks in Matthew 24, and this is what we understand to be the signs of the times. And Jesus goes through and, and shares all that. And this week, we have definitely seen possibilities of some of those signs. He said, notice the fig tree. When the fig tree starts putting on leaves, then you need to be aware that summer is upon us. Well, uh, here, Jesus said, look at the buildings, the buildings of the temple. They're no longer there. We have a constant reminder of Jesus being true to his word, that Jesus is the Messiah. Those buildings are gone. Unbelievable prophecy. And then as we go through and listen and read some of those uh, different signs, we saw that the sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. And I just couldn't believe Monday morning like you when I woke up and driving down here for our morning group and and uh, heard on the radio what had happened in Las Vegas. And uh, at that time, I think they were reporting, it was pretty early, so I think it was only like 30 people were dead and and a couple hundred wounded, and of course, throughout the course of the day, the next few days, that number rose, and I was at 58 or 59 now, and uh, many, many wounded, and still some in critical condition. And I just thought about the words of Jesus, how in the world can anyone take that many weapons and that much ammunition and, and shoot into a crowd like that? It's, it just blows me away to think how the love grows cold with, with many. And we live in an age where we're not surprised anymore with stuff like that. And I believe they're saying it was the, it's the largest killing, right? At one time like that, mass shooting they, that reported. And it, it, it just amazing that, that anyone could walk into elementary school and start shooting people, walk into a high school and start shooting people. Can, can just look across. I mean, and I understand that the guy waited uh, to late in the concert. And so he obviously looked out on that concert over and over and over the course of the evening and see a mass of people and, and want to kill as many as he could. So I think there's ample uh signs that we see in Matthew 24 coming, you know, to light right here in our very day. And the total uh, or the, the summary lesson that Jesus gives us in Matthew 24 is we need to be ready. We need to be ready. There was, uh, we need to be ready for the coming of the Lord. And now we pick it up in Matthew 25 and in Matthew 25, uh, Jesus tells three parables that answer the question, are we ready? 
And last week we looked at the first parable, and that is the parable of the ten bridesmaids. And five were wise and five were unwise. And the bridegroom came at night, and he came late in the night. And the five wise bridesmaids were prepared, and they had enough oil. The five unwise bridesmaids did not have enough oil. And when the bride, uh, the, the, when the groom was, uh, was announced that he was on his way, uh, those five unwise bridesmaids asked the five wise bridesmaids for some oil and we talked about there's no borrowed faith. And they says, we don't have enough for us. You should have prepared yourself, in other words. And the five unwise went and purchased some oil. And when they returned, the door was locked. And, and we finished that parable with the words of Jesus, I never knew you. I never knew you. And the door was locked. It was too late for the foolish or the unwise bridesmaids to go in the house with the bridegroom. And so that's a parable that says to us, we need to consider that question, are we ready? The, the oil represents life in the spirit. It represents that people have believed in Jesus, they have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, and the oil represents the Holy Spirit, and so the Holy Spirit is present in their lives, which of course is salvation, is salvation. And now we have the second parable that helps us answer the question, are we ready? Now this parable, I think, really does answer the question, this one, the next one, it answers the question of, does he know us? Is there evidence that he knows us? And we begin in verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. Now, the word talents is used in most translations. And when we read the word talents, we automatically, in our English, you know, uh, words, uh, we turn to abilities. And we see the scripture that said that he gave it in proportion to their abilities. Um, it's not abilities that's being mentioned here primarily. A talent was a a number of pounds of weight of money. It was either silver or a large sum of money. And some have calculated that one talent would be worth 16 years of an average person's wages in that day and time. So you can imagine if you were <clears throat> paid all at one time, uh, five 16 year periods of your wages, it would be a huge amount of money, right? And of course, to the one that is paid two talents or two bags of silver, it's worth lots of money as it'd be 32 years of wages. And one was paid one talent, 16 um, years of talent. It says the, the servant who received the five bags of silver 
began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. So the one with five invested it. The one with two invested it. The one that received one bag of silver buried it in the ground. Now, after a long time, their mass returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. Now, that third one, he has to be blown away with the response of the master. He's heard the one that was given five that earned five more. He's heard him receive praise. The one that received two, he's heard him receive praise from the master. But now listen what, to what the master has to say to the one. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So how does that fit into us today? Well, let's look at the big picture here. Now, the master is a wealthy man. The master has lots of wealth. The master is going to be gone for a while, and the master chooses to invest in the servants that he leaves behind. The master represents Jesus. The servants represent people. To two servants, he gives 
according to their ability. To all three of them, he gives according to their abilities. But to one who he saw having much ability, he gave much responsibility to, and that was five bags of silver. He saw the next guy, and he, he observed his ability, and he gave him two bags. And, of course, to the one that he gave one bag to, he recognized not as much ability as the one he gave five or the one that he gave two. And so the master masterfully diagnosed the situation, and he gave to the three servants exactly what they needed to have to make a difference, to invest. Jesus is the rich master, people are the servants. People are not equal in their abilities. We're not equal in our abilities. Some of us have been given more responsibility than others. That's his choosing. But the master, Jesus, has given everyone talent, money, gift, resources, experiences, desires, assignments. And if you are wise, the Holy Spirit is present, you are the one of the five or the two. You have invested what you've been given. You've invested what you've been given. And so the question that we need to ask ourselves, the question that answers the, the, the question of, are we in the house? Are we one of the wise? Will we be one of those people who are deceived and we're on the outside looking in and the door is locked. Isn't, isn't that the most important question in the world? The most inque- important question in the world is whether or not we have a relationship with God. Is Jesus going to say to us, depart from me, I never knew you. Or is he going to say, well done, my faithful child, enter into your reward. And so that's a question that all of us need to be asking ourselves. That's the question we all need to be taking before the Lord. What have we done with what we have been given? Only you can answer that. What have you done with the money that you have received? What have you done with the money that God has allowed you to earn? What have you done with the money? What have you done with the spiritual gift that's been deposited in you? What have you done? What have you done or what are you doing with your experiences? What what have you done or what are you doing with your current circumstances? Are you withdrawn? Are you holding on to them? The circumstances that you have received, has it placed you in a position of where you've buried all that God has deposited in you out of fear? 
What have you done with all the hurts and the pains that you have experienced along the way? You see, the guy with the five bags of silver or talents and the guy with two bags of silver or talents, they didn't waste their hurts and their problems. They didn't waste their circumstances. They didn't waste their experiences. They, they didn't waste their spiritual gifting. They didn't waste their money that they've been given. They invested it in the kingdom. And so one of the results of people having enough of the oil that's going to burn the lamp until the bridegroom shows up is there is a return in what they've been given while the master is away. There's a return. It's an interesting story with Jehoash and, and um, Elisha in the book of 2 Kings. And Jehoash, he really, as he was a king, relied upon Elisha. And Elisha came down with a sickness that was going to take his life. And I'm sure Jehoash, he saw that and he knew that, that his strength in God was going to be gone. That his faith was going to be altered. That he had trusted so much in Elisha. And he realized that he could see it. He could know that Elisha is now weaker. He, he is now with, you know, uh, beginning to show those signs of passing away. And so he and Elisha have a conversation. And Jehoash has great enemies. And they're fighting and, and he's concerned with the Syrians. And, and, and he doesn't know how in the world he's going to be able to survive these enemies constantly being a threat to him. And Elisha says, open the eastern window and shoot an arrow through the window. And he does. And that shooting the arrow through the window, Elisha said, that represents victory for you. Represents victory for you. You're going to be victorious. You're going to have victory in your hands. Now, take those arrows that you have, Elisha instructs him. And he goes out and says, take one of those arrows and, and beat it on the ground, which is kind of an unusual thing to sell someone to do, isn't it? Well, the king does that, and he beats the ground three times with the arrow and quits. And quits. That's all he does. Now, Elisha did not give him an instruction of how many times he was supposed to beat that ground. So it's an unusual thing that you see that says Elisha became angry at the king because he only beat the ground with the arrow three times. And... Elisha tells him, you should have beat the ground five or six times. And since you stopped, you quit. You're going to struggle. You're going to have three victories. But after that, you're going to struggle with your enemy. And sure enough, Jehoash had 
uh, a reign of great struggle with his enemies. And Elisha said it's because he quit. He quit. He had quitted him. To me, that's an interesting story that applies to what we're talking about in here. So the parable that Jesus tells about the talents is, what have we done with what we've been given? Can we look in our life, past and present, and potentially in the future, and see that there is productiveness, productivity? Man, we're doing something. Some of us receive five bags of silver. Some of us receive two bags of silver. Some of us receive one bag of silver and we quit. And we put it in the ground. We don't do anything with it. We don't do anything with it. We don't invest in the kingdom's work. So that is the result. That, that's what we look at to see how we're going to evaluate whether or not we're a wise bridesmaid or an unwise bridesmaid, whether or not at that judgment day, God would say to us, depart from me, I never knew you, or well done, my good and faithful servant, enter your reward. And that's the question we need to ask ourselves. We do not need to be deceived at this point of whether or not we are born again, we have enough oil, we're one of God's children, and if we're one of God's children, we're going to be one of the five or the two, and we're going to be productive. We're not going to be productive comparing ourselves with other people based on how product, uh, product, product, uh, productive they have been, but we're going to be held accountable for what he has given us. And that's what we look as the evidence to how we're going to be able to solve this question we're proposed, that's proposed to us here in the Scripture. A young lady told me a couple, three weeks ago, she said that she believes that every problem in the world, every problem, hunger, crime, loneliness, hopelessness, abuse, pain, all those things that people struggle with today, unclean drinking water, famines and things like that, she believes that God has deposited in his children every everything that's needed to meet all the needs in the world. And the reason why in our world today there's such pain and trouble and struggle and poverty and famine and hunger and, and anger and all those things is a result of God's people not being faithful with God's deposit in them. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but boy, it's really an interesting thought to me. And it causes me to ask myself, how faithful have I been with what God has deposited in me? 
How faithful am I being today with what God has deposited in me? How faithful am I going to be with what God has deposited in me? In every one of us, God, in every one of us that knows him, God has deposited a spiritual gift, at least one spiritual gift. We understand that's true from 1 Corinthians. One spiritual gift. We are all gifted differently. We all have different things going on. We all have different uh, uh, measures of those that spiritual gift. But we've all been given a spiritual gift to use in His kingdom. We all have heart. Every one of us, God has deposited in us a heart for Him, a heart for His work, and a heart for His things. In every single one of us, God has given abilities, capabilities. There are things that we're able to do. There are things that we're able to accomplish, and, and we know that. We know where our strengths are. We know where our, our weaknesses are. We know where those things are. How faithful have we been with what God has placed in us? We all have a personality. We all have, a, have experiences that we have gone through that, that God has allowed to happen for a purpose that's beyond us. So how faithful have you been? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. So if you, we had an altar call last week and, 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 and just trusting the Lord, many people got some things settled with the Lord. But through the course of the week, if you've been in kind of a, just kind of disturbed about whether or not you're deceived today, whether or not you are one of God's children, whether or not he will say to you, depart from me, I never knew you. You need to take evaluation. You need to take inventory to answer this question. Because that's what Jesus has to say to us here. What have we done with what he has given us? What have we done with what he's given us? When he deposits himself in us, he deposits a great craving. A great craving to worship him. A great craving to serve. A great craving to honor him. A great craving to love people. He puts within us a love that's beyond us. What happens inside you when you see hurts and needs? What happens inside you? Not what happens inside them, but what happens inside you when you hear about people's hurts and needs? Do you bury it? Have you always buried it? Have you never invested then that's your, that's your answer to your question. Have you had experiences where your misery becomes your ministry? What really aggravates you? What need out there just, just drives you nuts, bat crazy? 
Have you responded to that? Are you constantly reminded about a great need in your world? In your world. And you continually are able to bury that craving, bury that desire, bury that misery, bury that possibility because of fear. That's why that one that received the one talent buried all that was because he was afraid. You see, the one has the answer to the question, I didn't do anything with what I was presented in, in nothing but anguish in the response of the master for him. Let me leave you with this. To help, to help provide an answer, and see, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit's doing a lot of work with this. Is your idea to go to church and be a church goer? Or is your idea to change the world? More precise, to, to change your part of the world. to be productive in the assignment that God has given you. Be careful you don't begin to evaluate that assignment comparing yourself with others because it's your assignment. It's what God has called you to. But how faithful will Jesus find you when you return, when He returns? The one given five made five more. The one given two made two more. The one that was given one had every opportunity but buried that talent. Now, this is my application for that. The one was okay with, was resigned to, settled, going to church is all there has to be. A churchgoer. Are you a believer? I go to church. How do you know that you're one of God's children? I go to church. I'm a churchgoer. I've always gone to church. I've had my family go to church. But I don't get too carried away with all the other stuff. I just go to church. But the one that made two more and the one that made five more, their desire that God had placed in them was far greater than just going to church. It was to change the world. I just pray, Lord, that you'd help us to, to look at this parable and see where each of us sit with this. I trust, Lord, that your spirit is speaking to our heart now. And Lord, you're just going to make it known to us. Help us to, to know for sure about our salvation. Help us, Lord, as these parables bring us to the place of Help us to know for sure about our eternity, about whether or not we've been as you choose, Master, as you return. Lord, I know in my own life, and I'm sure that I speak for most in here today, Lord, we desperately want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant.
I just pray, Lord, that you remove every barrier, every fear, that you'll remove the unbelief that causes us to bury the deposit that you make in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forward for our offering.